We're going to be starting into uh, a series that I truly, truly love to do. But I want to I talk about a couple things first just to have you prepared or to help you out. And the first one is this. So during the entire series, we're going to have the opportunity, if you want, to text in questions. If you guys could, you guys could put up that slide real quick. Um, you can text in questions. This is anonymous. I say it's anonymous. It's a Google Voice number. If I really, really wanted to, I could look up your number against like a database and maybe find you, but I'm not going to do that. Like I'm not that kind of stalker, weird person. I'm not your ex-boyfriend. So um, <laughs> that's not going to happen. Uh, but here, here's why I want you to do this. If you've got questions, text those in for a couple reasons. One, I love to answer them. Two, um, I love to know if there's something that's coming up over and over again, I want to make sure I talk about it. Or three, what I'll do is if you have a question, I'll say, hey, we're going to be talking about it in this week. Get ready for that. That's going to happen. So if you have a question during the entire series, you can put that in your phone, um, whatever it may be, text that in, um, and I will make sure that in one way or another, it does get answered. The second thing is this. We did a series last year called Love Lies, and it was probably the most nuts and bolts when it comes to relationships uh, that you can have. This is going to be a little bit more outside of that, not just nuts and bolts. And so if you, I will refer back to that series a couple times maybe. Um, so if you want to listen to that, there's two possibilities of how you can do that. Um, the first one is this, you can download what's called the Podbean app. I don't know why it's called Pod, Podbean. It just sounds weird. It looks like that. That's the logo for it. And then search the Exchange Sermon Audio and then listen to the Love Lies series. There's six... Um, there's six different messages there. It is the most popular series we've ever done, over a thousand listens um, in that. And so it is one that is very much nuts and bolts. Um, I will refer back to it uh, if you want to be a part of it. The second possible way you can do that is to go just into a browser, gfctheexchange.podbean.com, and you can get it that way. So why do we do these messages? And here's why. A couple reasons. One, I want you to have a great marriage. I absolutely, in my heart, want you to get to a place where you can stop hurting. Um, you can stop hurting yourself and maybe others in the way that you date. And you can have a marriage that is full where you are full and you are healthy. And not just that, because of my 13 years in student ministry, I also want you to have a marriage that stays together so that you can actually be a good parent. Not saying if your parents... Uh, got broken up or anything like that, that you're not. But what's incredible is what I've saw over all those years of youth ministry is how when the parents aren't getting along and when divorce is bad and nasty, it affects the kids. And what is possible is this, is that when you have one good marriage, this is what they've done statistics on, one good marriage can last five generations. So if you decide that we're going to have a good marriage, it will last the next five generations. That's your kids, kids, kids. At the same time, one bad marriage can last the same amount of time. And so if you're someone in this room, which I feel like a lot of you are, that came off of your parents having an awful marriage, you have to make the choice to make it different or you are doomed to do the same thing again. Just saying I'm not going to have that same marriage will not keep you from having that same marriage. I have said many times, I will not sound like my dad, but it keeps coming out of me, and it bothers me, and it's weird, and I'm like, get out of my head, like you deem, no, not deem, that's awful to say, but it's just in there, you guys understand, and guys, we are deemed to repeat the things that we have seen, 
And I want you to understand this. No matter where you are in this room, no matter what you've done, no matter where you are in life, whether or not you're single, you've been married, divorced, whether you're a virgin or not, help me understand that you can get to a place where you can have an incredibly healthy marriage. I know some of you have grown up in places or been to a youth ministry where they have focused so much on your virginity and the fact that if you lose that, you won't have a good marriage. That is not true. That is not true. That doesn't mean just, oh, yeah, cool. And that's Find somebody afterwards and leave. No, that's not what's happening. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying right now, it's going to be really hard for me not to do tangents in this series. What what I'm saying right now is if you choose at this moment to decide to get whole, you choose at this moment to get healthy. Anyone in this room, no matter where you're at, can have a good marriage. But I need you to give me a couple weeks because here's what's going to happen. I promise you. I will say something you don't agree with and probably will offend you. But I want you to understand that what I'm coming with right now is not stuff that I'm making up on the fly. It's not something that as a married person, I'm like, what can I do to screw around with the singles heads? That's not at all what's going on. What I've done is a ton of research. I don't research a series more than this one. I will say at least 90%, if not more, of what I'm talking about is either from the Bible or from actual counselors or psychologists or textbooks in that that talk about what it means to have a good relationship. If it's my opinion, I will tell you. You can go, well, I don't believe him. That's fine. But the other stuff in here, this is good stuff. And so because of that, please don't discredit it just because you're like, well, I have a friend that did it this way. Please don't act that way. That's the way my high schoolers act when I was in student ministry. Well, I have this one friend, and they did fine, and they seem happy. Just because you have one friend that did fine and did okay happy doesn't mean that's the way it works for everyone else. Last thing, and this is the most important thing. When I'm talking, and I am talking about a very serious point, and I look at you, that does not mean I know anything. That does not mean your parents called me, emailed me, texted me, and said, hey, look at them when you say this. If your parents do that, just know, here's what I'm going to say. Go talk to them. They're adults. But just know that every time I've done these series, people will come up after me. It's like, why did you look at me when you said that? I have to look somewhere. I have to. I literally was doing a point about dating that was very intense. And I'm like, who can I look at? And I found the one married couple in the back. And I looked at them. Afterwards, they came up to me. They're like, why were you looking at us? I have to look somewhere. And so what we're going to do is in this series is, is a little bit different. I want to talk about the fantasy side of things. Because what's happened in our world is we've taken something in the idea of love, dating, relationships, marriage, all this stuff. And it's, it's turned into this fantasy. We've turned everything into a fantasy. I mean, everything has become bigger, the expectations, what it's supposed to look like. And it's changed our entire idea of what an actual relationship should look like. I mean, I, I, I know this. We, you all have the idea of fantasy of what your first kiss is going to be like, right? It's going to be amazing. It's going to be all these things for me. Nope. I still remember my first kiss. It was my, the first girl that I had ever dated. I was so excited that any girl would go out with me. And so we were, we were dating, and I remember my friend came up to me, and he told me that his friend that his friend said, hey, she wants to kiss you tonight. I'm like, yes. I was like literally on cloud nine. Then I realized I've never kissed before. This is going to be awful. And so I'm excited. We're going that night. What we're doing is we're going to a wedding, which 
it's like shooting fish in a barrel with girls. And so I'm like, man, she's definitely going to want to kiss me after this. Just being honest, guys. All right. It, I, she's definitely going to want to kiss me after this. And so I remember we're at the wedding. I had several opportunities. I could tell in her eyes. She's like, what is he doing? Is there something wrong with him? Is there something going on? I'm just nervous as all get out. And for some reason afterwards, we're like, hey, what do you want to do? And we're like, hey, let's go um, hang out at Barnes & Noble. This is so embarrassing. I can't believe I'm telling this story. So we go to Barnes and Noble because it's the most romantic bookstore that we know of. And so we're in there, we're hanging out, and then we go outside and like, we're like, hey, let's hang out. And then we go around the side of the building like vagrants and we're like holding each other and all that. And then we just, it finally, I just go in for a kiss and guys... I, I'm just going to admit it. All right. I didn't know how to um, French, and so what I did was literally, look, I'm just sharing this so you feel more comfortable. I literally opened my mouth up as wide as it could go. <laughs> and just made my tongue go erratic. Like, I figured that's what it was. Like... And here's what was so embarrassing. The manager of Barnes & Noble <laughs> comes around. He's like, hey, what are you kids doing? And then he saw what we were doing. He's like, oh, you need some help, man. I, so <laughs> what's so funny is that girl I was actually friends with for a lot longer and later on in life actually act up the courage. I was like, that was awful, wasn't it? And she's like, yeah. <laughs> and it's not a surprise that she broke up with me. Um, don't feel bad for me. I'm good now. I'm married, guys. It's fine. It's all right. But here's what I want you guys to understand. This entire idea of dating the way we do relationships is brand new. Like, it's brand new. The idea of even dating has only been around for about 100 years, if that. And the idea of, like, dating for love and finding your love and all that kind of stuff didn't really come around to the 60s and 70s. So this entire idea of how we meet the person we're supposed to marry, the person we're supposed to love, all that is brand new. Before, what'd they do? Their parents set them up, right? It was weird. There was cows and goats involved as a dowry. Like, that's the way that it happened. And you learned to love the person you were with. Now we're supposed to find that person. How do we find that person? The problem is we've, we've basically made it from finding someone you want to do the rest of your life with to finding the one, Right? Finding that one that will literally be the one you talk about the rest of your life that will make it so much better. Here's the problem. Here's the fantasy. One, I have a soulmate, and once I meet them, everything will be perfect. Or once I meet the one, everything will be good. Once I meet the right person, everything will be fine. And here's what's funny. You say that to a married person, and what do they do? They laugh. Because they're like, I thought I found the one too. And we hear that, but what happens with married people? They, it doesn't work. What do they do? They get divorced, and what do they say? They weren't the one, right? They weren't my soulmate. It's fine. It, it wasn't going to work anyway. They weren't my soulmate. And, and so there's this idea out there, if we just find that right person, then everything in our past will disappear. Everything will be, be made right, 
and nothing that we've done before will absolutely matter. And so what do we do? We find that person that makes us feel that way. We move in or we get married. And then a couple years down the road, it becomes tough. It becomes hard. And you're like, what is going on here? And so our natural response is, well, I just guess they're not the one. They're not my soulmate. And here's the deal. Christianity's done just as bad with this. And I don't know where it came up. And I'm about to, I'm about to crush some of you right now, so I'm sorry. Because um, you've heard this your whole life. There's been a part of you that's been holding out for this. But there's this Christian idea out there that God has the perfect person waiting for me. Like, shut up, Hal. There's this idea that God has this. But you hear people say it all the time. I just need to find that right person. God has that person for me. I don't know what I'm going to mean. I wish he'd stop hiding, right? God has that right person for me. Here's the problem. That's not biblical at all. It's not in the Bible. In fact, remember, in the Bible, how'd they get married? Their parents set them up. And I'm trying to think, where did this come from? Where did this come from? I really I think I figured out. I think where I know where it comes from. I think it came from youth pastors and pastors trying to figure out, all right, how do I get them to do dating the right way? How do I get them to stay celibate? Here's what I'll do. If you stay celibate and you live the life God's called you to, God will have the perfect person for you. And we've heard that. We've heard that, haven't we? We've heard these things and we think, okay, if I do everything right, if I do everything the right way, then that will happen. And then it gets really cringy because the youth pastor says, oh yeah, I've done everything right and God blessed me with a smoking hot wife. And he's like, hey babe, stand up, which is awkward for everyone. <laughs> awkward for her and then she stands up and you're like, Is there a scale, like if I have sex once, does she get hotter? Like, what happens here? <laughs> Look, I'm talking to you like in my 15-year-old self coming through there. But it's true. There's this idea, oh, if I do everything God wants me to do, then there's going to be some sort of perfection laid at my feet as this offering. And that is not true at all. See, Either way we look at it, if it's the idea of a soulmate or this person, this perfect person God has for me, um, it tends to produce the same results in us. Is this fantasy idea. For married people, it's the easy out. They just weren't the right person. You know, if I'm unhappy, it's their fault. And once I find that right person, everything will be okay. And here's what happens many times. It causes ourselves in our lives relationally and the health of our emotions and all those things. We become lazy because we believe once we find the right person, it will fix all of those things. If I find the right person, all my bad habits will go away. I've heard people say this. Once I find the right person, I'll stop watching porn. Once I find the right person, I will get my life in order. Once I find my right person, all of a sudden my finances will be fine. It's like, you owe 100000 student debt. That doesn't just go away. Like once I find the right person, everything will be fine and I will become a better person. Once I find the right person, my daddy issues will go away. And that's for guys and girls in this room. But that is not the truth at all. And I was trying to find a song that gets that same idea. And the song Mirrors by JT. Like I really wanted to use the song Soulmate by Lizzo. But you can only play like five seconds of that. And so, <laughs> but he, he says this. And we know these lines. Because I don't want to lose you now. I'm looking right on the other half of me. I'm trying so hard not to sing this because it will sound so bad. No. I'm going to lose you now. Shh. I'm looking right at that's all you get. What does he say? I'm looking right at the other, what, half of me. You're the other half 
of me. As if I am not a complete person. I am half of who I'm supposed to be. And you complete me. That is the dumbest thing anyone can say. Here's why. When two damaged, non-complete people get together, it's not called being complete. It's called codependency. Okay? Listen to me here. When two damaged people get together, here's what normally happens. Here's what I notice many times. It's two very hurt people who get together so, so badly want to be loved, so they jump in the relationship so fast, and they say, I love you first. They get physical fast. All of these things. Normally, what a normal, healthy person would do is say, oh, and step back. But what happens is you, when you find your perfect other hurt person, you both dive in. And you're like, we're in love. And we say things like, you complete me. Look. We should be whole in such a way that no one ever needs to complete us. They compliment us. Okay? I like you guys. They add to us. Look, what we see so many times is this idea, if I find the right person, that's what happens. And here's what it's always about. It's always about the search, isn't it? It's always about the search. There is more to relationships than finding or being found. There's more to relationships than finding or being found. The problem is, this is the whole movie, right? It's all about the finding. It's all about the being found. Because once, once I find the right girl, everything's going to be fine. Once he finds me and I'm found, everything's going to be okay. This is every Hallmark movie that my mom loves to watch. Like, what happens every single time? She's in New York. She's dating a lawyer. He's a jerk. Right? He cheats on her or doesn't spend time with her. I don't know. It changes every time. She moves to a small rural town. What happens? She sees a guy there that's apparently very good looking that just happens to live in this small rural town. She's like, this can't work. I wear pantsuits and he wears that. It's not possible. And then what happens? She falls in love, right? With his heart of gold and his biceps of steel. And what happens? It ends, right? That's where it stops. They don't show you the rest of the relationship. They don't show you if they actually decided in the right world to go to counseling together and figure out how she's going to get over how bad of an ex she had and the fact that she won't take those same feelings and put it back on him. Look, none of that's there. So all we do is what? We focus on those two things. If I find the right person, if they find me, everything will be fine. Here's the problem. Falling in love, all it requires is a pulse. Staying in love requires so much more than that. And guys, I need you to understand this, and I need you to get down to what you truly believe because this idea that there is the one out there makes us lazy. And here's what happens, and you see people do this. When someone believes they have the one, what do they look past? Red flags, warning signs, things that everybody else sees, but they're like, they're the one. And what happens? What do they say to that person to keep them around? What do they do? They promise, right? They promise. And here's the problem. When we decide that there's a soulmate and they're it, we tend to accept promises over preparation. We accept a promise over what they've actually done. Here's the problem. You can't commit, promise, or vow your way into a healthy relationship. Everything that happened before can't be overcome by two things, a promise and a party. Right? Oh, as long as we get married, as long as we get to the altar, 
I've seen more promises made, more ideas of what's going to happen made closer to a wedding ceremony than I've ever seen before. And what happens? We want so badly for it to work. We want so badly to get married that we look past all those things as if the party removes all of our bad decisions. See, promises are never a substitute. We know this, right? You've never taken a test and the teacher put it before you and go, I promise I know everything. Oh, she goes, okay, thank you, and just takes it back. Right? If you're in sports, you don't go into your coach and go, hey, guys, it's time for practice. Coach, I promise I'll get everything right. See ya. That never happens. Why? Because we know what? You have to practice. You have to prepare to win. Who tells us in society to prepare for our relationships? You don't hear that very much, do you? You never see a TV show about somebody that goes, you know what, I'm going to take a year off from dating to work on me. If anything, that's the weird girl. And it's like, and whenever she says that, then all of a sudden she finds the right person, right? The one comes along. She's like, oh, I decided to stop dating, and they magically showed up. Some of you are like, I stopped, stopped dating two years ago. Still never happened, but <laughs> there's also a difference between deciding to stop dating and not getting a date. But anyway, we'll get back to that. Um, I'm not looking at anybody right now, all right? Hear this, hear this. I do does not equal I can, okay? I do does not equal I can. We've all, probably most of us have been to a wedding. When you hear the vows, you're like, yeah, that's not going to happen. <laughs> like, he hasn't even told her that he was cheating on her this whole time. Like... She hasn't told him about these other, like you're sitting up there and they're giving vows and you're like, this is not, this is not going to happen well. Why? You're sitting there like, well, they're immature, they have bad past habits, all these things, but you're like, but the party was great. You know, we, we, we all cried at the vows, but that meant nothing for what was going forward. Here's, here's the deal. Saying I do does not make you capable, it makes you accountable, okay? And hear this, when you are accountable but not capable, you are miserable, Here's what that means. When you are married and you have no idea how to do marriage or deal with your own stuff, you are sitting in a place of misery. Think about how much of that is some of your parents and some of the people you've seen around you. They have no idea how to get out of the pit. Many times their partner's dealing with stuff, they don't know how to deal with it, and their own stuff is just compounding it. And both people are looking to the other one to solve their problems, and that's not the way it works. See, what happens is, is you end up being stuck with it and not know how to fix it. And so what they do is we get divorced and say, well, it just wasn't the one. So here's the deal. You've got to prepare for marriage, marriage now. Here's why. Preparing for marriage now is easier than having to go through it in marriage. Okay? You have the ability to focus just on yourself right now. But what we have to do is this. We've got to decide we want that. We want preparation. And here's what preparation does. It helps us become the kind of person, the kind of person you're looking for is looking for. It helps you become the kind of person that the person you're looking for is looking for. I ask people many times, I'm like, so what are you looking for in a man or a woman? And they give this long list because we all have lists that are way too exhaustive. And I'm like, well, would that person want you? Would that person feel like you're in that same place? Have you accomplished all the things you put on that list? Have you done those things? 
See, what preparation does is it gets us ready to find the right person, not just settle for someone that will come along. See, the only way this happens is through God. Now, let me say this. I'm not sure where all of you are in this room. Some of you heard, hey, he's talking about dating. Let's go talk about it. You're like, I'm not into the whole God thing, but I'll hear some dating advice. I need you to understand something. Until you are able to be loved by God in the way that he loves us, you will not be able to love your spouse in that same way. Okay? You need to feel that love first. And it is a different love. It is the love that you are searching for that you also want there. John 15, 9 says this. It says, I have loved you even as the Father has loved you. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. What if your marriage had an overflowing joy, just not a regular monotony of life? See, in God's eyes, when you look at the Bible, marriage is supposed to represent It's supposed to represent God's love. It's two people coming together with a love that's supposed to represent God's love. It's supposed to be a love in human form. It's a never-ending sacrificial love that you can't run away from, that never expects anything back from you, that will do whatever it takes to love you. And right now in your life, you have the ability and opportunity to be as selfish as possible to work on that relationship with God and work on yourself. Some of you are like, but I'm not single. I'm dating. Let me define single. If you haven't said I do yet, some of you are engaged. You're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Look, you're not married yet, one. Two, I've had a lot of conversations with engaged couples. You both still have your own life, okay? Actually, a healthy engagement, you both still have your own life. You're not so on top of each other that it feels like a marriage. Here's one of the biggest problems. Most of us date like we're married, and so our breakups feel like divorces, Okay? If you don't have your own time and you don't have the ability to work on yourself at all in your current relationship, you are too close and spending too much time together, okay? The idea in dating is not to be all-encompassing. The idea in dating is to continue to work on myself while figuring out if you are the right person to marry. So right now, you have the ability to work on yourself. And if they don't allow you to have that time, remember that codependency I talked about? It's a sign. If they get mad every time you want to do something for you, if they get mad every time you want to work on yourself or do something at church, that's a sign that there's a codependency there and something else they need to work on. Okay? Here's a quote. Every time everybody gets mad when I say it, but it's true. Your singleness is a gift. You're like, I've been trying to return it. No. (laughs) Your singleness is a gift. And let me say this. This is weird to hear in the church many times because the longest time churches has labeled singles as not done yet, like not good enough, all those things, which is crazy because when you look at the New Testament, everyone that did something incredible was single. Jesus was single. Paul was single. The disciples were single. They're all single. Yet we're going, hey, if you want to be complete and be like God, you need to be married. No, that is not true at all. But here's what's possible. When you're single, you have the ability. Like I said, it's one focus. 1 Corinthians 7, 32, 35. This is very basic. It says, I want you to be free from the concerns of life. This is Paul saying. It says, an unmarried man can spend his time doing the Lord's work and thinking about how to please him. But a married man has to think about all of his earthly responsibilities and how to please his wife. His interests are divided. In the same way, a woman who is no longer married or has never been married can be devoted to the Lord and holy in body and in spirit. But a man who has... Has to think, but a woman has to think about her earthly responsibilities and how to please her husband. I'm saying this for your benefit. 
not to place restrictions on you. I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best with as few restrictions as is possible. And he goes, hey, if you don't have the ability to get single, to stay single, then get married. But understand this. You guys, you have the ability to focus on some things that I can no longer do. Understand. Like, so married, we have three kids. One, one son who is five years old, and we have two foster kids that are three. And so this past winter break. Basically, the church gives us from Christmas to New Year's off. Chrissy and I both were incredibly excited. We're like, oh, we're going to be able to get so much done. We're going to get ahead. We're going to do stuff on the house because that's what you do when you're old. You do stuff on the house. It's awful. Don't buy a house. And so, and like, we're, we're like, we're going to get ahead on these things. We're going to go see people. And then all of a sudden, like, we get to that point. And we're like, what were we thinking? We have kids and they're not fun to take places. Let's go to the beach. No, you don't take two three-year-olds and a five-year-old just to go to the beach for a little bit. They're going to annoy you the entire way over. And then one of them's going to eat sand, and then you're going to have to deal with that. I mean, we tried going to the, we literally, we went to the park one day. We're going to spend three hours there. One of them literally poops twice in their pants. We have nothing left. It's time to leave. I'm like, no longer is it okay. Like back in my day, my dad would have been like, just let him run around. He'll figure it out. You can't do that anymore. Everybody's got a cell phone. Look at this horrible pastor parent that did this, right? The entire time. And they can't even figure out what to do themselves. You have to tell them and help them. And I'm not saying I don't like being a parent. Understand this. I love my kids. I absolutely do. I believe it's God's ministry that he's given us. We decided to do this. This is a good thing. But understand, because of all this stuff we have in our lives, our focus is scattered. That's why sometimes when you come up and talk to us and we look like we're somewhere else, we are. We're thinking about everything else and whether or not our kids are alive or they're fed or they're in bed or they pooped on themselves, like whatever it may be. But we're doing that right now. Here's what you have. You have that ability. I remember a pastor told me, hey, the moment you get married, your ability to do ministry and do stuff outside has been lessened because you have a new ministry in your wife. The moment you have kids, every single kid you have, you lessen the ministry that you can do. Why? Because that becomes your ministry, which is an important ministry, but it changes what you can do out there. Now understand this. I'm not saying that because you're single and you don't have kids, you have more money or more time. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you have the ability to have a singular focus. You have the ability to focus on you. Now, I want to I talk about something real quick, and I, and I hear this many times. I hear this from people that are like, I want to get married. It's like, I want to date. Why? They say, because I'm lonely. Loneliness is never a reason to get married or to date. Please, please, please do not marry or date anyone because you are lonely, because lonely single people become lonely married people. And here's why. They've never learned how to have a relationship. They never learned how to have, you're like, but I have friends. You never learned how to have a deep relationship with someone else. Look, loneliness is a heartache, not for marriage, but for God and community. It's a heartache for God and community. And you need both things before you get married. And when I looked up in all of these journals about mental health and all these things, here's what they said. Before you get married, you must learn emotionally healthy skills for not just having relationships, but growing relationships relationships where they know you, you know them, you go through stuff and grow. And here's what it needs to be. It needs to be with people across age lines so you learn those things. Now, these are also non-sexual relationships, all right, because sex messes up everything up. It's not a real relationship at that point with a friend if, you've, if you're having sex with them. 
because all of a sudden all those feelings, all those things come in. If you don't know what I'm talking about, message number three in the Love Live series, please listen to it. Now, here's the deal. I'm not saying all your friends have to be the same gender, but if you can't get along with your gender, and I've heard many of you say this, well, I just don't get along with other girls. I just don't get along with other guys. Try. You need to be able to do that. Here's why. Here's why. Because when you get married, you are going to need to have those type of friends. Unless your spouse is also best friends with them, you don't need to be hanging out with them. You're like, how? That sounds awful. According to statistics, the biggest reason men and women cheat is because of an emotional affair first. It's not straight lust. In fact, over, I think it's over 70% of men said the woman that they cheated with does not look as good as their current wife. But they understood him, they got him, and he felt a response. If you can't learn how to have that relationship, you need to now. Why? Because it prepares you for marriage. Guys, I hear this all the time, okay? I hear girls say this all the time. He doesn't know how to have a conversation. And be straightforward with you. There are books for this. You can try. And here, this is the easiest thing to have a conversation with a girl. Here's what you do. You ask questions. Who does a girl love to talk about the most? <laughs> and I'm not saying we don't. I love to talk about me too. I think I'm pretty cool. But I, 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 they're like, he can't even keep a five-minute conversation. I'm like, does he not know how to ask you about your hopes and dreams? Guys, did you hear that? <laughs> Figure out how to have a conversation. Figure out how to have friends. See, I don't want you to become lazy in this time. I don't want you to believe that just because there's someone out there, you can stop right now and do that. See, the best time for you to work on your relationship with God is right now. The best time for you to work on yourself is right now. The best time to go to counseling is right now. If you guys haven't heard the story, Chrissy and I's story, Chrissy had some serious stuff that she had kept to herself from a young age that blew up in our fifth year of marriage. It took longer for her to deal with it, longer for her to get over it because we were married. Some people think, oh, I'll just get married and then I'll dump it and I'll have somebody to love me. No. It's not the way it works because she had to worry not only about her own feelings, but whether or not I would reject her in this moment. And many of us need counseling. And let me say this. If you're like, well, I'm dating someone. If you need a date, a break from dating, take it and tell them, I need to work on myself. I know that sounds like a line and he's probably heard it before. But go, hey, I need to work on myself and take that time to do it. So I've had a lot of conversations with older people lately because they keep saying something that annoys me. Um, I, they keep coming up and they keep going, yeah, she's my soulmate. And they've been married for like 50, 60 years. They're like, they're my soulmate. They're the one. Yeah, God had them for me, all this kind of stuff. And I walk up and I go, okay, I got to talk to you about this. How were the first five years of your marriage? They're like, oh, they were hell. I'm like, okay. I need you to understand, when you tell people that you found your soulmate, that's not what they think. They think it's something that was smooth from the beginning. They found the one. I was like, how did you know that you were soulmates? He said, well, we got to the end of this life, and we realized how much we could accomplish and do together. We raised a family. We did God's ministry. We did all of these things. And so I want you to hear this, and I want you to get this, and if you want to use it this way, it's a lot better. Soulmates aren't found. They're fought for. Okay? Soulmates aren't found. They're fought for. And the fight starts now. Okay? You want the first years of your marriage to go better? 
Fight now. You want your relationship to go smoother? Work on you now. You have some stuff down here you've never told anyone? Now's the time to deal with it. Please do not think that when the right person comes along, all of that gets better. In fact, actually what, time, what happens when the right person comes along, all of that gets magnified. Right now is the time to work on your singleness so that your future marriage can be what you've always wanted it to be. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much. Um, we thank you for your word and what you tell us. God, we thank you that you want us to have an incredible relationship. God, I pray that all of us in here, that we would take the time really to get to know you, um, to fall in love with you, to feel your love so that we too can do that. God, I pray uh, for everyone in here right now that has a secret, that has a wound. Um, God, I pray they do something with it. God, I pray if they need counseling, they do it. I pray if they just need to get it off their chest, they find a friend that loves them that they can tell it to. God, here I know what's going to happen. The moment they want to tell that friend or get counseling, the devil is going to come across and say they will reject you. They don't want to hear that and tell them tons of lies. God, I pray that you would work against those lies. God, I pray right now that we would just use our singleness and time to focus on you and making ourselves the person you want us to be. God, we thank you for that time. And in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.